Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am a big fan of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to preview MSU's game against the Elkhorn State Braves. This is actually, I think, the first game in the Acrisure Tournament. Uh, game two will be against number one Arizona out in Palm Springs on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, it's Thanksgiving season, so if you're thankful for Rod and the top-notch analysis he provides in every show, please consider supporting it either via a one-time gift on PayPal or Venmo or on a recurring basis through Patreon or Substack. You can find links at tffinots.com support. Uh, your support in growing this community is extremely helpful to the show. All right, Rod, let's discuss the game Sunday against Alcorn State. Uh, Alcorn State's out of the SWAC. Uh, the 6 p.m. tip at Breslin on Sunday. Uh, they're 1-3 on the season. They just came off a narrow three-point loss to UAB, uh, who beat Maryland by a couple points, but it seems like about everybody's beat Maryland nowadays. Uh, they've also lost to Arkansas and Arkansas State, and their one win is against Loyola of New Orleans, which I've never even heard of that team. Uh, they were picked third in the SWAC, so it's their expectations would be pretty decent in the conference. Currently, they're sitting at numbered 260 in Ken Palm. Uh, they're really not very good offensively. They're numbered 184. They don't shoot the twos or threes well or free throws. <laughs> and they're not a good offensive rebounding team. They're okay with a turnover percentage at 129. Tend to get the line a decent amount at number 53. Uh, but it, like, again, they don't shoot the free throws that well. Their biggest Achilles heel is they can't play defense. They're 329th overall in defense and have just been killed from just about everywhere. Uh, they're sub-300 rankings, both against twos and threes. They don't can't defensive rebound. They're number 319. They also foul a lot at 318th. So they kind of turn over teams a little bit. So they their turnover percentage is 146. So they do get people turned over, uh, largely buffeted by a 200, or sorry, a 22 uh, ranking and steal rate. So that's their aggressive defense apparently is, is maybe they are only saving grace on the court yeah, uh, you know, they were picked third in the preseason in the SWAC. And so what I think this perhaps says, and this is not a surprise to anybody who plays close attention to this stuff, is that um, even if you're a, a, an upper-level SWAC team, on a national basis, you're probably not all that good. Yeah, right. Um, if, if I would... I haven't looked at the the numbers to confirm this, but I would venture a guess that the SWAC might more typically, most typically, the SWAC winner be a 16 seed than any other conference. I Most years, it seems to me, the SWAC champion is a 16. And if they're not a 16, mm-hmm. almost never are they going to be higher than a 15. So... 
Yeah. That perhaps tells you something. We said, well, they were picked third in the league. That's maybe not as telling about their quality as you would think. Now, I saw Izzo's post game after Butler, and he was talking about this one, and he's he had he he said, you know, you schedule this game, and you think it's going to be one. You know, you hate to say it, but it's one you should win. And then you look and see they barely lost to UAB, who beat Maryland. Mm-hmm. But as we know, transitive properties don't actually work. <laughs> in the real world and Maryland's been awful to, to top that. I mean, much, much, I I think most people, us included had high expectations for Maryland. They have not looked very good. I watched a fair amount of the game against Villanova last night and uh, they ended up losing by 17. And believe me, that score was flattering to Maryland. (laughs) They only scored 40 (laughs) points. So anyway, um, I think with Alcorn State, there's unfortunately, there's a lot of things they do horrendously bad. <laughs> they don't shoot well, and they don't stop the other team from shooting well. That's a pretty bad formula if you're looking to win basketball games, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the two things that they do well are they do generate a good amount of steals. So it tells you something about the the ball pressure they're able to put on opponents, but Uh, Without having seen them play, I'm going to assume that some of the just egregiously awful shooting percentages they're giving up is a result of that. I'm guessing that they're gambling a lot. And so when they don't generate a steal, it's an easy basket. Uh, That's my assumption. Because I don't know that I would expect them to be, you know, trapping pressure because their pace of play is very middle of the pack. So typically if a team is doing that, like full tilt, you're going to see a pace number that's very, very high. And that's not the case with them. So I'm assuming we won't see that, but that's one thing they do well on defense. And then on offense, they get to the line, have been getting the line a lot. They've got several guys who are averaging between five and six free throw attempts per game. That's a good number. Uh, the part of the problem, though, is they don't shoot it very well when they get there. <laughs> so, yeah, not not a lot to get excited about in terms of the Braves thus far. And this is one you look at that, despite Izzo's, you know, w- w- what he had to say about this game, which I would expect him to say uh this really isn't one that michigan state should find itself troubled and if they are it's because they contributed mightily to it let's just put it that way yeah i feel like a lot of these games if you're someone who listens to the radio show on the way home or something if you go to attend the games uh these are the games that Izzo is almost universally upset and angry after the game because <laughs> you know they might they may win by 35 and they might have, but he's like, yeah, this is this 10 minute stretch. We were terrible. And you know, right. he just gets really just, he's well, like over the top look, angry because you know, you should dominate these teams. It's, it's true. But you know, the thing is in, in these games, primarily, as long as you don't have an abject disaster, what you're doing is you're playing the game, not really the opponent. Right. So that standard is hard to meet, you know, when you say, Hey, we come in to this game wanting to do these five things at a very high level, and maybe you don't do all of them at a high level, 
You know, it's also if you can get a game to a certain stage, as we've all seen countless times in our lives, if you get a lead of a certain level, sometimes it's hard to maintain that intensity. Or what else happens is the coach starts giving minutes to guys further down in the rotation. And so you lose what you had going that got you the big lead because you got different guys different player combinations and they're frankly if you're msu you want that problem because that's ideal that you've got a big cushion and you can give minutes to some guys and let them learn in a game environment that's something that you know michigan state really hasn't had a ton of in the early going you know obviously the duke game was never going to be that way james madison was not that way that was one you had to play to win Yep. Tennessee really wasn't that way in the exhibition. So where have you had opportunities to get guys minutes without without worrying so much about what's going to happen in the three or four minute stretch they're out there? Well, you had Hillsdale, in the exhibition. To some extent, well, I think Southern Indiana was largely that way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, last night, uh, Butler was, that was a weird game because it was one that, never felt like Michigan state was threatened from, from 14, 14 on. It never really felt to me like Butler was really there. They never, they never even the second entire second half and probably the last I'd have to look at it to be sure, but probably the last I'm going to say 25 minutes of that game. Uh, I don't think they were ever within two possessions. Yeah. I think you're right. So they were down at least seven. So, you know, it never felt threatening, but yet it was never so comfortable that you could just say, Hey, we're up 30 with six minutes to play. Let's roll out all three freshmen and Trey and one of the bigs and just go with it the rest of the way. It it wasn't quite that comfortable, you know? So it would be nice to have this. There aren't a whole lot of these on the schedule. So it would be nice if MSU can turn this game into one that that ends up being more of a learning exercise for certain guys. All right, well, let's go ahead and talk about the rosters. We'll start with uh, the starters, obviously. Uh, this is brought to you by the Brothers of Jesse Gutters. They sponsor the player that Michigan State needs to keep in the gutter. So if you have gutter work that needs to be done, there's no better place to turn than the Brothers of Jesse Gutters. Because that's all they do. They just do gutters. They specialize that. They do fantastic work. I've had them work on my my uh, house. They've worked on my wife's office. And again, just do great quality work. Super friendly people. Uh, and they get things done in a, in a hurry. Uh, you can get 10% off if you mention Final Four when you get your estimate. You can contact Greg on the Metro Detroit area or Kurt over on the west side of the state in the Grand Rapids area. Uh, again, they'll set you up and they'll get things going and they work in just about any weather. So even if you think that there's no way anyone would work on your gutters, like cleaning them out, repairing them, or replacing them, they will. So give them a call. And you can find the contact information in your podcast player below or on the episode page and the website at the Final Force on the schedule.com, just on the front page. All right, so we'll begin with Byron Joshua, 5'10", senior point guard, averaging 12 points a game on 29-9 and 90 shooting. Uh, tied for his team uh, lead in assists with nine in the four games they played but unfortunately has 12 turnovers and he's also second the team in steals. So, uh, and he also tends to draw fouls, as you mentioned before, he averaging averages about five free throws a game. Yeah. Uh, good quickness, not a lot of size at five ten, <laughs> but he's one of, I mentioned 
you know, this team's big problem is they don't shoot it well and other teams shoot it very well against them, which is a tough way to live. Um, you're going to see a few guys with single digit three point shooting percentages. So lest you, lest you believe that Michigan state is the only team that's struggling <laughs> from three, they are decidedly not. Um, and something tells me I have, I have more faith in some of MSU's guys turning those numbers around dramatically than I do some of the Alcorn state Braves, but, uh, yeah, it's also tough when your starting point guard has more turnovers than assists. That's a problem, but that I think is exemplifies sort of their, their team. And, and of course, you know, the reality is too, the, there's very little expectation for them to win many games in the non-conference out of, you know, out of conference. This is right. their, this is how they basically pay for their program, right? Their athletic department in some respects by getting paid to go exactly. play, play these games. Uh, so Next player is uh, Jeremiah Gambrell, 6'3", senior, averaging eight points a game on 36, 40, and 50 shooting, and plays about 23 minutes a game. So he's one guy that uh, has managed to hit some threes this year, so he'd be a, a primary perimeter shooting threat to worry about. And next is Takedron Thorne, 6'4", uh, fifth-year senior, averaging 10 points a game uh, on 48, 50, and zero shooting. Uh, in 29 minutes played he's the other guy so those two guys that i think you've got to worry about as three-point shooters based on the numbers and then that's that's pretty much where it ends um one thing to mention about this team though and you're you might be hearing eric saying senior 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 over and over again this is a very experienced team now they're not all guys with experience playing together but a lot of them are so it is very much a veteran team. They're, they're mostly, you know, there's some juniors, but I think there's one freshman. But other than that, it's a lot of seniors and fifth-year guys. And speaking of seniors, 6'7 senior, Jeremiah Kendall, leading the team with 21 points a game, 10.7 rebounds a game, shooting 55% from the floor and 60% at the line, on, and averaging a little uh, around five free throws a game, and also leads the team in steals at seven. This is the pick to keep in the gutter. <laughs> Pretty this obvious. Is the guy. <laughs> he's had, yeah, he's doing some of everything for them. Um, he's been very good, not really a, a perimeter threat, but other than that, there's not much to complain about when you're averaging plus 20 in scoring your double digit rebounder, your tops and steals. Uh, he's doing a lot of things well for them. And he's taken his game up a notch last year at Alcorn. Uh, he was a double digit scorer and I think was around somewhere around four or five rebounds per game, but clearly his role has in increased and so have his numbers. And he's let's put it this way. If Michigan state can keep him relatively contained, it, it's almost impossible to imagine Alcorn state keeping this close. Yeah. And at six, seven for this team, this is a very small team. He's one of the tallest yes. players in the team too. Um, yep. Next is actually 6'7", uh, Juco transfer, Daji Benet. He's uh, originally from France. He played his first game against UAB, scored seven points, and had six boards. It was two of two from floor and three of six from the line. Yeah, and, and it, should be, it should be noted that uh, once again, and this is the case with some of these smaller schools in Michigan State's playing. We saw it with Southern Indiana as well. It's, it's proving difficult to get accurate for any information at all 
as to the health status of certain guys on these teams. Um, you know, cause unfortunately they don't, most of them don't tend to have a lot of media attention, meaning it's hard to find newspaper accounts of their games. And then you're, so then you're reduced to whatever you get put out by the program itself. So like this kid, his first game playing after he transferred from Juco this year was the most recent game, the loss to UAB. So I'm going to assume that he starts because he started that game and he played reasonably well. Um, but I don't know. There'll be some of these guys we talk about next where they didn't play against UAB, but they played a lot before that. Are they going to be in there? I don't know. So <laughs> we're guessing is my yep. point. Not that it should matter. Right. We're not, we're not talking about guessing about what a top 10 team is going to bring in. Yeah. We're talking about a team that it really doesn't matter or it shouldn't matter. At it least. shouldn't matter. Right. Yeah. The five beat writers covering the team, right? They're not, yeah, not probably right. information for you. Uh, yeah. Uh, and now we'll move to the, what we, the suspected reserves, Jalen Hawkins, six to transfer from Moorhead state. Who's at his fourth school. So, uh, wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, he's averaging eight points a game on 36, seven and 88 shooting one for 14 from three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's not shy about shooting him. Uh, it leads the team assists with nine assists, uh, to five turnovers. How do you play in four schools? I mean, you must have to get, you must have to get, a. Uh, how do you get that many transfers? I'm trying to figure out how that works out. Well, uh, there he's not the only one who's done it. He's in his fifth year. So maybe he's a grad transfer at this point, right? He is so a grad, grad transfer. transfer. He is a so grad transfer. Three. You got the one free one. Do they get a free he one? He got the COVID one too? free one. He got he, maybe, a, he, maybe a medical. Red or... shirt, maybe, might have red shirted, got the uh, transfer, got the one free one, um, and then got the grad transfer. So that's how um, one for 14 is a rough start shooting the ball. There's no two ways about that, but because of his experience they they seem set. I, it, he's going to play a lot off the bench. Well, someone's got to play. Uh, so next is Michael Peugeot, a six, two junior wing didn't play in the UAB game. Uh, he, and again, I looked at the, actually I looked at the official injury report and there's nothing listed for Alcorn state. So uh, he's averaging six. Believe <laughs> this me, this is your I've, life, right? <laughs> I've put in, I, I the the time I put into the, doing this preview, probably a quarter of it was fruitlessly searching for any information about the status of a couple of the guys on their roster. But you probably know where Alcorn State is located, right? Uh, it's in Alabama, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's all actually all I know too. So, uh, six point seven points a game. He uh, gets five point three rebounds a game in twenty minutes. Forty percent from the field, almost ninety percent from the line, and he's another one of these guys who averages a lot of free throws, six a game. Yeah, well, what's interesting about him? So six two, but they list him as a forward, which and he's not shooting threes. Which I, I look at, it, he's averaging six free throw attempts per game. He's averaging better than five rebounds per game. So this guy obviously plays bigger than his listed height. Um, so he'd be interesting to see. But again, I, I just don't know if he's going to play because he didn't see the floor against UAB. He sounds like one of those YMCA players. Uh, next is Jelke Gaines Wyatt, six foot freshman point guard, averaging five and a half points a game on 58% from the floor, 67% from the line. Uh, he hasn't shot any threes. And Radges averages around 11 points a game with a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio. Yeah. Um, again, the only freshman in their rotation. So yeah, this is a very old team. 
he's not. But we've talked about this, how, and I, I think if memory serves, Southern Indiana was this way to some extent as well. Maybe not, maybe not quite as extreme, but you know, I, I, I know we, I know we brought this up that I think that the, the general feeling was, well, you know, the, the mid majors are going to have guys who show out well as young players and then uh, decide to transfer up. And so that means the, um, the mid-majors are going to constantly be rebuilding with young players, but that has not proven to be the case. I think you're seeing, because this was a lament that coaches had. I remember this coming up, and I, I kind of had the same feeling. Like well, A lot of times in the NCAA tournament, when you would see a mid-major go on a run or just pull off one upset, they, they tended to be, historically, they tended to be teams – that had been together for a while were filled with juniors and seniors, right? That mm-hmm. was usually the formula. It wasn't typically that you saw, you know, a team from the Sun Belt filled with freshmen and sophomores do it. Usually an experienced team. And the thought was, well, the portal, originally this thought was around the con- just the concept of grad transfers. The portal just solidified it that, hey, anybody who really shows out at that level the vast majority of those kids are going to look if they're doing it as sophomores or juniors, they're going to look to transfer up so they can get on a bigger platform and they're going to believe that's going to set up professional aspirations for them. You know, in addition to just satisfying the dream of actually playing in front of big crowds and having a good chance to go to the tournament and all the other things that come along with it. Um, But I, I, I don't think let's put it this way. The mid majors aren't, rolling out typically teams with a bunch of guys that have played together for three and four years. That part is true, but they are rolling out teams that have a lot of veteran players. I mean, we're seeing it when we look at, when we break these teams down and it's a fair question for people to ask, where have all the freshmen gone? Cause there just don't seem to be as many as there used to be. <laughs> it's just like the question, where are the workers gone? Yeah. The same question, right? High school, if you're a high school kid, I know I've said this on this podcast before. One thing that's been made very clear to me as I look at how this stuff has unfolded. If you are a high school player who is not considered an elite prospect. So I even mean this is true probably for guys, say, in the 75 to 150 range in the rankings. And you get an offer you like, you'd better grab it. Yeah, right. Because if you wait... You, you might be the, the, the cakewalk, you know, the record might stop playing with you, uh, w- without a seat, you know? Oh, the cakewalk. I, I haven't thought of that in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now I put that into your mind. Uh, but that's really, that's kind of the scenario and it, and it extends down to, you know, the kind of kids who, because of academic reasons, or they were just late bloomers or. They weren't, they weren't playing on the shoe circuit, so they weren't seen as much. The kind of kids that typically used to get opportunities at places like Alcorn State, they're not as readily available anymore. Yeah, and you definitely feel like if, if yeah, if you're those high school grads, there are people, that, if you're not taking those spots, they might find a transfer they like more and take them over you too, right? I mean, you also can't blame, you can't blame these coaches. No. Because if they've got an opportunity to say, hey, I want to have guys that have been through it that know what it means to play at this level, because every game counts for me in my career, and I want to win as many of them as I can. Okay, I get it. 
Yep. You probably do think, you know, we applaud Tom Izzo, most MSU fans at least, I think, applaud Tom Izzo's whole deal about culture and he wants to be a program that's um, not transactional, uh, that focuses on development. You do it over the course of time and all that stuff. And, of course, I celebrate that too, but let's also be honest about it. Tom Izzo can do that with few repercussions outside of unhappy Twitter mobs, which don't really matter in the end because, um, because he's Tom Izzo. Yeah. Most guys coaching the vast, vast, vast majority have very little rope to play with, you know? So I can't blame them for doing this. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate responsibility is winning whatever that takes to win, you know, within the rules. Right. Um, Yep. That's all dig at another school. All right. So uh, next is six, six grad transfer, Rodrique Massanet uh, transferred forward from Austin P averaging a little under three points a game in 17 minutes uh, 50, on shooting 50% from the floor and 40% at the line. Just hit one three. Yeah. Decent size at six, six for this team, which doesn't have team, a ton yeah. of it. So he'll play a role. And then the, Big giant of the team, Alex Tosinovich, 6'10 junior, averages two points a game and one rebound in eight minutes, shooting 60% from the floor and has only hit half his free throws. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether maybe he gets a little bit more run due to his size, but as it stands, he's playing a deep rotation role, yeah. you know, not even double digit minutes. And you have to imagine with Arkansas and with UAB, he was seeing, they had seen size as a team. They so would if have they been reasons playing, to play If they weren't him. playing him then, they're not Correct. probably going to play him against Michigan State, most likely. Correct. Correct. Uh, Roderick Jones would be next with 6'2", junior guard, averaging 1.3 points a game in eight minutes. And he's a, uh, one for seven from the floor on the year. Yeah, not, not one for seven on the year is not an encouraging start. <laughs> <laughs> well, it explains the 1.3 points a game. <laughs> right. So, Finally, Trayvon Stoudemire, as we reach the end of the bench, 6'8", junior, averaging one point a game and 1.3 rebounds a game in 11 minutes. Yeah, and we'll probably see him because, again, he's got at least a semblance of size, and they, they're going to have to do something to yeah. try to and match up with what Michigan State. Yeah, and he's playing regularly enough that I would expect him to see a, a, a turn or two each half. Uh, so before I know it, they're the four or five Alcorn State grads screaming into their podcast player right or their radio right now. Yes, Alcorn State is actually in Mississippi. It's from in Loman, Mississippi. Oh, my bad. In, I, no, I knew I, that. Shame on me. Founded in 1871 and it's the first black land grant college. Interestingly, founded in 1871. And the, and the well, I knew that, I knew that, that that's not surprising because they're a member of the SWAC. So, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so apologies to Elkhorn State. Yeah, but, you know, very sorry about that. Uh, let's move on to the five keys of the game for Michigan State brought to you by Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing, where you can get great Spartan apparel and other collegiate apparel. You can't go wrong. Uh, it's super comfortable, high quality print screen materials. Uh, you can they've got T-shirts, sweatshirts, all very breathable and very comfortable. Uh, they're our favorite workout clothes as a family and just wearing around the house or like game day like today. Uh you can get 10%, I'm sorry, 20% off if you type in Final Four at the checkout, uh, a coupon code. And again, you can't go wrong. Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. If you're interested in our logoed stuff and you want to look cool with our new logo, uh, you can go on over to the Final Four on the schedule.com slash merchandise. And there you can find ways to access our collection at Nudge Printing, either a t shirt or a hoodie. Uh, great thing to get. And, you know, maybe 
you want to get for someone for Christmas, who knows? But you can't go wrong going to Nudge Printing again at nudgeprinting.com. And let's go to the five keys of the game. Number one, when we kind of alluded to earlier, the focus. This is an easy game to overlook. You just beat a you know, Butler, feeling pretty good. Next, you've got number one, Arizona. And so it's easy to forget that you're playing Alcorn State in between, especially a team that is, you know, clearly you should overwhelm. Yeah, and this is very much a classic play the game, not the opponent scenario. At least that's how it looks coming in. You know, if you're Michigan State, um, you want to continue to do the things you've been doing better. You know, sometimes that can be hard to do when you come in knowing that you're expected to win easily. And you've also got another big game knocking on the door. So that's the challenge, I think, is can you stay locked in for 40 minutes and and play at the at the level that you want to play at. Sometimes in these games you can get you can get sucked down into the morass with <laughs> a bad opponent. You know that happens. So they want to avoid that. This is a team that has not played a locked in forty minutes yet this year. So this it correct it'd be very that challenging too. to do it against this team, right? But the, you'd hope so. Hope this would be a good way to practice that. I'd say, but I'd say Butler was, yeah, know, that was pro- maybe good, locked yeah. in is strong, but they pretty good yeah i agree uh, so the second key to the game is defend without fouling we mentioned to a number of times a lot of players see the free throw line although they don't make many of their free throws they certainly get there a lot and so <laughs> i don't know maybe just don't fall for the shot fake is maybe that's the uh that's how they get all their fouls yeah it, the the numbers tell the story that alcorn state is gonna is going to one way or another and, and i would expect it's via penetration yeah um they're going to look to force the issue and force you to foul them. And, you know, Michigan state, the last two games, if we look at Duke and we look at Butler, now we can talk about the quality of the whistles and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is they've given up a fair amount of free throw attempts to the last couple of opponents. So for MSU, I I think that's, that's something that would be, an area of emphasis. The defense has been at a pretty good level overall through these these first four games, but that's the one major criticism that I could that I could lob at it in the early going. And you know, this is a team that has played in such a way that suggests that's exactly what they're looking to do. So it'll be a challenge for MSU to see if they can check these guys without doing an excessive amount of fouling. Number three key to the game are the boards. Uh, we've have this is a team that is not showing much ability to defensive rebound at 319th. They're not a good offensive rebounding team, and Michigan State has certainly shown some signs of getting better than they were last year, certainly, but even improving throughout this year. Yeah, and, and so I think this is this is a game where you want to keep good habits of things that you've been doing well or reasonably well, keep that going, and so you 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 want to see MSU continue to pound the offensive glass and there's really not a lot of excuses available for not doing that this this opponent has been a truly terrible defensive rebounding team and they are small yeah so you know got you would hope that guys like Carson Cooper Mati Sissoko Malik Hall depending upon the minutes they play Cohen Carr Xavier Booker that those guys can really make hay Right. And you got to imagine like athletically that you got to be, not only do you have size, but you have athleticism over them as well. Sure. So should, right. Should really help you. 
the fourth key to the game is sustain. Yeah, and so what I'm talking about there is we've alluded to in a couple of these other points. MSU started, I think, to show some good signs even while taking the loss against Duke. And then I think against Butler, they were able to sustain and build upon that. Um, And so what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about some individual stuff. So that means A.J. Hogard playing better over the last two games. That means Malik Call finding an aggressive tone and continuing to do that, seeing the results flow from that. Also on a team level that they haven't shot the ball spectacularly, but they've shot it a lot better than they did in the first two. Um, I think particularly in this game, but also in, in the Butler game, but also in the Duke game as well, you're seeing MSU's guards getting into the paint with much more intent and getting good results when it happens, when they do get there on a much more regular basis. You know, we're seeing AJ start to do that more regularly again. You're seeing, uh, I think in the, in the Butler game, Jeremy fears did the best job he's done this season at getting himself into the lane and making things happen. Tyson Walker continues to do it. Um, you know, now you'll hope maybe that, uh, uh, we can see Jaden Akins maybe do a little more of that. But uh, you want to see all of those things, both on the individual level and the team level, continue to be sustained and improved upon so that you're building on it. Because MSU is still not, let's make no mistake, the positive things seen in the Duke game and the Butler game are not in and of themselves enough. You can't look at those games and say, well, if we can just match that level of play consistently, we'll be fine in terms of achieving what we're looking to achieve. That's not the case. It's got to continue to get better from here. And so that's what you want to use this game to do. I was just going to say, basically, you're just saying we need to uh, water and nourish, sort of fertilize those green shoots. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep the green shoots sprouting. Uh, finally, the number uh, number five key to the game, put them down early. Uh, this is what, what you always want to do as a parent when you got little children. You want to get down early, so yeah. get, get, to, get to bed, get on to the next, get to the next thing. There's two aspects to this. So the first one is obviously if you can get off to a good start, um, you put Alcorn State in a spot where it just kind of sucks the oxygen out of the room for them. They aren't able to find any confidence and you've got a, a victory where you don't have to sweat as much, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. that's the first reason for this. The second reason is, and I alluded to this earlier, I think if you're Tom Izzo, you have to be, you know, we, we talked about this coming out of the Butler game. There's still, I think rotations are a work in progress. I still think they're playing around with different combinations, seeing what can work, what can't. And, You'd like them to have at least a handful of quote unquote free opportunities to do a little more of that. But, but primarily I think that's going to mean getting minutes and the allocation of the minutes they get to the younger players. So we're talking about the three freshmen and Trey Holloman. I think that's what a game like an Alcorn state can potentially bring you is an opportunity to get those guys real chances with live bullets flying, you know, yeah. which won't come as easily. You know, the, the decision to play 
uh, Trey Holloman and Jeremy Fears together for a five-minute stretch is tougher to find when you're in Champaign-Urbana on a Tuesday night right. than it is for a sure. game like this. So, and you've only on the non-conference, of course, we don't have MSU schedules. You still got Arizona left. You still got, um, you've still got uh, Baylor left. You've still got Indiana State left, which will be, I think, a challenging game. Uh, Oakland is an in-state opponent, so that's one you've always got to be careful of. There aren't a lot of games left that look like obvious opportunities to really extend the minutes for your younger guys and also get your older guys some rest. You know, we've we're seeing a lot of games in a fairly compressed way in this part of the schedule, which is not atypical for uh, a Michigan State November. It seems to happen this way more often than not. So it would also be nice from that aspect of things to say, hey, Tyson, we only need you for 22 minutes tonight. Right. We don't need 32. You know, something like that. Let's hope MSU puts the hammer down early, I guess is the the idea. Yeah, I was just gonna I was gonna say that if we Tyson Walker's playing thirty plus minutes, there's some real problem in this game. So I I suspect uh yeah, we won't I would see agree. that. Right. All right. Well, I don't think there's anything more to talk about the Elkhorn State. I think we'll nope. catch up with you after the game. Uh make sure again you visit our sponsors. Wonderful sponsors at the Brothers Adjust Your Gutters at brothersgutters.com. You can also check out Nudge Printing for your Spartan apparel at nudgeprinting.com or their fabricatedcustoms.com, their website where they do custom uh, T-shirts and things for businesses and various events. Uh, Until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green.